Well, today is the first Sunday of the season of Epiphany, uh, which is derived from a Greek word meaning manifestation. During the season of Epiphany, we dwell upon particular manifestations of the identity and glory of Christ. And we place a special emphasis on bearing witness to that identity, bearing witness to that glory. In other words, we place a special emphasis on the mission of the church. And that's why the season of Epiphany begins in Matthew chapter 2, where wise men from distant lands pay homage to Jesus as the king of the Jews. This story is about the international implications of the kingdom of God, the worldwide progress of the gospel. Verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. According to polls, the vast majority of Americans think that politics and religion should be kept separate. Faith is one thing, politics is something else. And to be fair, religion can be a divisive thing in the public square. And so it makes sense that modern people would, they might prefer to see religion privatized. And many Christians tend to agree with this. In fact, many Christians conceive of Jesus as essentially apolitical. Many conceive of of him as totally uninterested in political matters. But I think our passage today is fundamentally about the political implications of the birth of Christ. There's no getting around the fact that a king has been born in Bethlehem. And and the politicians in Matthew chapter 2 understand that this birth is a threat to the status quo. Just imagine this from the perspective of King Herod. King Herod is the king of the Jews. But these wise men come to Jerusalem and they are granted an audience with the king of the Jews. And then they say to the king of the Jews, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have come to worship him. That's going to be a problem, right? You see, Herod Herod knows that when Jesus is called king of the Jews, that is a political claim. The birth of Jesus represents a political threat to the reign of King Herod. Jesus claims to be king of the Jews, and Herod claims to be king of the Jews, and they cannot both be right. Even as a newborn baby, the the mere existence of Jesus is political. With the birth of his only begotten son, God God is challenging the powers that be. In the words of Gabriel, the angel, God is giving the throne of David to Jesus. And there will be no end to his kingdom. In the words of Mary, God is bringing down the mighty from their thrones and exalting those of humble estate. Baby Jesus is a threat to Herod, and Herod knows it. So, verse 3, when Herod the, the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. And of course, later on here in chapter 2, 
King Herod decrees that all the male children in Bethlehem and the surrounding region should be killed. Herod is a power-hungry and paranoid politician, and his decision to kill the children is a political decision. Psalm 2 says, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. Herod wants to kill the son. And so Herod says to the wise men, verse 8, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And by worship him, Herod means kill him. So the wise men come at last to Bethlehem, and verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So for the past six weeks, we've been in the book of Isaiah. I want us to consider the following passages from Isaiah in light of Matthew chapter 2. All right? So we talked about Isaiah 2. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and all the nations shall flow to it. We talked about Isaiah 11. The root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire. We talked about Isaiah 60. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And we talked about Isaiah 62. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. Matthew chapter 2 is depicting the fulfillment of these things. Kings and nations are literally following a light. And they're flowing to the land of Israel to inquire of the Lord. And to honor him as righteous and glorious and worthy of worship. And so even even here, the very beginning of the gospel story, Jesus is already being rejected by the Jews and worshipped by the Gentiles. The king and the chief priests and the scribes want Jesus out of the way. But the Gentiles, on the other hand, bring him gold and frankincense and myrrh. There are many different possible interpretations and explanations for the meaning behind the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, Um, and, and many of them are legitimate and insightful. But there's really only one place in the Old Testament where these three things come together. In the tabernacle, uh, the altar of incense was made of gold, and a special blend of incense, including frankincense, was burned upon this altar by priests who were themselves anointed with an oil containing myrrh. And, and the, the golden altar itself would have been anointed with this oil containing myrrh. All of these, so, so these three elements are thus associated with the priesthood. So not only do the wise men acknowledge Jesus as a king, the wise men acknowledge Jesus as a priest. Israel has a king, but God is establishing a new king. 
And Israel has a priesthood, but God is establishing a new priesthood. God is cleaning house. He's draining the swamp, if you will. Those in power must humble themselves lest they be humbled. The birth of Jesus is a political event with political implications. To the rulers of this world, the birth of Christ says, declares, repent or be replaced. Now, I want to jump back to a verse I skipped over, verse 6. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This quote is taken from Micah chapter 5, but interestingly, Matthew has altered the quote. Micah chapter 5 says that Bethlehem is too little to be among the clans of Judah. But Matthew chapter 2 says that Bethlehem is by no means least in Judah. So concerning Bethlehem, Matthew actually changes the quote to say the opposite of what Micah says. Now, is, is Matthew just playing fast and loose with the scriptures, making them say what he wants them to say? No, I think he's making a point. Bethlehem used to be regarded as small and despised. But now, its reputation has been restored as the birthplace of the king of the Jews. Bethlehem used to be of humble estate, but now it has been exalted. And such is the character of the kingdom of God. The humble are exalted. And the prideful are brought low, cast down from their thrones. And that is why I think it's actually very good news that the birth of Christ is a political event. We don't need to shy away from the birth of Christ being a political event. When Jesus announces the kingdom of God, we don't don't have to immediately spiritualize that. He didn't come to establish a merely spiritual kingdom. The birth of Christ remains a serious threat to all who would use their power for evil. With love and peace and humility, Jesus has come to overthrow them, to overthrow the prideful. Jesus has come to humble the Herods of this world and to change the way nations are governed. And that is very good news because Jesus is a king unlike any other king. No earthly ruler would do for you what Jesus has done for you. No earthly ruler would suffer what Jesus has suffered. And so the problem is not that Christians are too political. The problem is that our politics have not been sufficiently influenced by the kingdom of God. There may be Christians who want to keep religion out of politics, but those same Christians also want politics to, more, to look more like the kingdom of God. And they want their politicians to look and act more like Jesus. The fact of the matter is that every world ruler is under the authority of King Jesus. The American government is accountable to King Jesus. The Chinese government is accountable to King Jesus. The Russian government is accountable to King Jesus. 
The North Korean government is accountable to King Jesus. Again, this is good news. As disciples of Jesus and as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have been liberated from the political systems of this world. We are still participants in the political systems of this world, but in a very real and important sense, we have been liberated from them. We still submit to earthly rulers, but we do so for the sake of our heavenly ruler. We submit to earthly rulers not because they are our ultimate authority, but because Jesus is our ultimate authority, and that's what he asked us to do. We don't submit to the governing authorities because the Bible wants us to keep our religion separate from our politics. We submit because the Bible wants the church to be the best kind of political entity. The Bible wants us to be a blessing to our nation, a blessing to our governing authorities, to pray for them, to love them, to support them, and yes, sometimes to resist them, to humbly and lovingly remind them that they are accountable to Jesus. Sometimes the political situation becomes such that humble and loving resistance is the only way to truly bless our governing authorities and to truly bless our neighbors. And so Jesus is the king of the Jews. But Jesus is not just the king of the Jews. Jesus has come to bring God's justice and God's peace to the whole world, to every nation of this world. And that's why Matthew concludes his gospel with a divine commission. All authority has been given to King Jesus. Go, therefore, and disciple those nations. Baptize the nations. Teach the nations to obey their king. God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is low and despised in the world so that no human being, not even Herod, not even Pilate, not even Caesar, or Biden, or Trump, or Putin, or whoever you want to say, no one might boast in the presence of God. O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not stand aloof and distant from the affairs of mankind. You hear us when we pray. You hear our cries for justice. You act in history for our sake. Jesus, we honor you as king, the the king of the Jews, but also the king of every nation, the king of kings. May your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, give us the humility and the courage to bear witness to the supreme lordship of Christ in a world full of Herods. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.